You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. You guys changed the weather on me since last time I was here. Who, who ordered this nice fall weather? Could I see the hand? We flew out on vacation to San Diego, and uh, my son said that due to the forest fires, they hadn't seen the sun in a week because of all the smoke that had come in. But when we arrived, they said the skies cleared and the sun shone, and we got to see the sun, and it was wonderful. We're anticipating that wonderful San Diego, 75 degree temperatures, glorious sunshine every day. I think they only have like 360 perfect days a year. Uh, And it was 100 degrees on one day that we were there. And it was in the 90s consistently. So it was like, oh, what, what happened to the refreshing 75 of San Diego? Well, we, we didn't get to see that, but we got to see our son-in-law and our daughter-in-law, our son and daughter-in-law, uh, and we had a wonderful time with them. Well, this morning we're looking at John 17. I'm continuing in the series. The prayer that Jesus prayed. That could have been the problem. I didn't have it over the year correctly. In the NIV, it says, beginning at verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Give us eyes to see how you're moving upon the earth today and give us obedience that would bring honor to your name. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last time I shared with you, we looked at the verses right above this and it ends with verse 13, which one I started with. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Here in the farewell discourse of the Lord Jesus, John, starting in chapter 13, going through the prayer in chapter 17, we see these final words as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. And here is like, his, we call it his high priestly prayer, but it's also a sense in which it's the prayer right before he goes to the cross. It's a prayer that lets you know what is in that moment in time and space, the supreme focus of his heart. And as he addressed his own personal dynamic with the father, he's now coming and he's, he's praying for the disciples. And we see that the, the very foundation of everything that's going to happen rests on the reality that he wants the joy of Jesus. He wants his joy 
to be in his disciples in full measure. He doesn't want them to have a taste. He wants them to be totally saturated in the joy that he knows. And he wants it to abide within them. Not a joy that's just manifest when circumstances are, are pleasant and good, but a joy that is inside that doesn't matter what the circumstances are, as we're going to see in the very next verse. The world hated them. Even in the midst of hatred, he wanted the foundation of everything that he prays for them to be established upon the reality of the joy that he has within him to be within them. I love that. So the first thing he says is, I've given them your word. Mm. What happens when you get the word of the Lord? When the Lord gives you his word. <laughs> Jesus says, I've given my disciples your word. Earlier in verse 8, he says, and the words that you gave to me, I gave to them. Now it's the word, it's the message. I'm giving them the word. And as a result, the world hates them. One of the things that I, I want us to get clear on here is that when Jesus is talking about the world, he's not talking about planet Earth. And he's not necessarily talking about the people. He's talking about what has happened in the sense of unbelief and darkness that has come upon the wonder of his creation as a result of the enemy's lies that mankind believed and the resultant decay, the resultant darkness, the destruction, the death, the sickness, the illness, and everything that came as a result of that. So a lot of times, I don't know how you've heard this, but as I've been raised in the church, oftentimes it's the world would be all those who don't know Jesus. So I would have this, this dichotomy of those who love Jesus and know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus and don't love Jesus. And I would call them the world. And that's not at all what's being represented here. The Father's heart for all mankind is just one heart of love. He loves each and every one. The ones who say yes and come into relationship with him, he's able to have a fellowship and an intimacy that is even greater. And we get to know him even more wonderfully. And those that don't, he's not impatient. He's not delay. He's just waiting as a loving father, waiting for them to come to the revelation of how much he loves them how much he's for them. It's, it's so interesting because the way religion has brought it and Christianity in some parts, it's almost made us not want to approach the world for fear of defilement. But the defilement is not what people do. It's the spiritual reality of unbelief, of hatred, of darkness, of evil. And some people embrace that and they walk in it and they almost manifest and radiate it, but the Lord still loves the person. And we need to get that really clear in our, in our heart because so many times I think when we read the scripture, if we've got a false foundation 
because of how religion has been presented to us, it skews our ability to connect with folks that don't know him. And we get frightened and we get afraid and we don't want to be around drug addicts and all this. No, 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 no. That's where Jesus went. That's who he pursued. The sick are the ones who need a physician. So secondly, he says, we are no longer of the world any more than Jesus is of the world. He, he, he helps us understand that we're in the world, but not of the world based on how he was in the world, but not of the world. And we find that the model that he has for us of what does it mean to not be of the world is because he was of his father. His intimate relationship with the father was the foundation of everything that he said and did. And as he continued to invest in the wonderful pre-eternal relationship with the father, now that is confined in hours and days and minutes and weeks and years, he's showing us how to do this, how to be in the world, but not of the world. It's where you spend your time. I love all the passages that we have in the gospels where it says in a great while before day, Jesus went to a solitary place and there he prayed. That was his practice. That's what he did. That's what kept him from being of the world. No longer in the world, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he says, as I'm getting ready to exit, as I'm about to leave this world, I pray, Father, that they would understand that they are not of this world. They're in it. I'm about to leave, but they remain in it. And that becomes the foundation of what he prays next. But before we do that, 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. I don't know what kind of religious lens you read that through, but for a long time, I just read that, that I can't enjoy anything that's here on, on planet Earth. I remember one time I'm thinking, I'm loving the world too much because I'm playing too much golf. You know, I'm just loving this world so much and, and I've got to prove to Jesus how much I love him. So I'm going to give up golf for Jesus. Uh, that's not what he's saying here. The thing of the world is the sinful cravings. You have cravings. They're not all sinful. You may really like to do something. And that's okay to really like to do something. Because I guarantee you, there's probably something in what it is that you're passionate about that's part of how the Lord wants to speak to you and how he wants to reveal himself to you and how he wants to mature you and grow you. I remember the early days of golf. I know you came saying, I hope you used some golf illustrations today, didn't you? <laughs> Get frustrated. I thought Christians can't play this game. It's too frustrating. Get mad, throw my clubs. One time I threw <laughs> a club and it went in a pond and I had to go out and swim and get the, pond, get, get the club in the pond. 
But the Lord used something as silly as that that I really enjoyed, but I was extremely frustrated and constantly screwed up to teach me a lot about grace, about patience, about maturity, about not being so emotionally explosive when things don't go your way. And, and as I just start to think of all the things that the Lord has taught me through the game of golf, it's amazing. Some of the professional golfers who are Christians have written their testimony of how God has spoken to them through their game of golf. For me, part of it is the blessing of getting to be with Rick Palmgartner, my golf buddy. We get to have fellowship every Friday as soon as the sun comes up. And, and, and that's just been wonderful. And from that, the Lord has introduced Rick and I to other people that have come and been a part of our group. And it's a wonderful way to get to pray and, and to be with people. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. Those are the things that are manifestations of the world. There's so much other. <laughs> the world is, is the, the place where there's unbelief. It's the place of cynicism. It's the place where there's real hostility toward the goodness of God. It's that atmosphere of darkness. See, the world is not a location. The world is a reality that's spiritual in nature. It's everything that's under the control of Satan himself. Oftentimes it's not aware that it's under control of Satan, but he has worked so persistently in the culture to try to corrupt it and to try to make it go into darker and darker places. And that's why we, just as Jesus was sent, so we are sent to be light and truth, to help bring illumination so that culture can come back to be a healthy re reality of who the Lord is, what his intention was for creation. Jesus was sent by the Father into the world, but he's not of it. Jesus understood that he was not of the world because who sent him? He was of the Father. He was sent by the Father. The origin, the source that sent him is what helped him understand his identity, that he was not of the world. And now he sends us. Just as he was sent by the Father, now he sends us. Now our identity is found in the one who sends us. And it's the Lord Jesus. So likewise, we're not of it. But the enemy's always trying to convince us that we are. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Jesus had the responsibility of protecting his disciples when he was on the earth. Now as he's getting ready to exit the earth, he's praying and this is his prayer. My prayer, Lord, is that you protect them. They're not of the world just like I'm not of the world. <laughs> as you have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. They need the protection of God. So that's his heart. Protect them. Earlier in this prayer, Jesus says, I have protected them with the name that you've given me. And now Jesus gives us his name. And he asks the Father 
to protect his disciples because he knows that there's going to be persecution. He knows that there's going to be a response by the kingdom of darkness against them. It's interesting that uh, he's asking the Father to protect us from the evil one, which is the very language of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. In Matthew 6, 13, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hmm. So the foundation of the passage that we're looking at today, the key emphasis is protection. Jesus is completely concerned about his disciples being protected. Then he moves on. He says, sanctify them. Sanctify them by, by the truth. Your word is truth. Which we've already seen in verse 14 and verse 8 that he's given us his words. He's, he's given us the word. And now he says, your word is truth. And now we have truth that is given to us to keep us in the world, but not of the world. And that's to set us apart. And that's what the word sanctify means, to be set apart. Last couple times that I've, I've talked, I've talked about the reality that being sanctified is not just being away from something, but it's being unto something. So much like in, in all the different ways in which the Lord calls us out of something, he calls us into something else. And so there's always two sides of every call. There's two sides to sanctification. There's, there's a leaving of the thing. We no longer belong to the world. And once again, that doesn't mean that we're not inhabitants of planet Earth. That means we're no longer in unbelief. We're no longer in cynicism. We're no longer in hostility towards God's love and mercy. But now we are unto relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're moving into a greater reality of knowing them as our true and righteous ones, the ones that have been sent to us. And so Jesus says, I'm sending them into the world. Our sanctification doesn't really lie in our ability to perform. It's not in our ability not to sin. Our sanctification is found in our relationship with Jesus. He says, for them, I sanctify myself, that they may be truly sanctified. I think a lot of times the way I've thought about sanctification was more of a, a religious performance kind of thing. And I was self-righteous because I didn't do what other people did. And so that gave me a sense of being superior. There's no superiority in the righteous sanctification of Jesus. <laughs> he humbled himself dying on the cross, sacrificially. And that's what released our sanctification so that we can be truly sanctified. There's something that happened in that act of crucifixion, that act of sacrificial submission 
that provided for us an ability to connect with God the Father, having our sins completely washed and cleansed so that we can purified, be purified and come into his presence and connect with him in a way that we couldn't before the cross. And now we can fully, fully connect. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the blood that was shed. In the Old Testament, the high priest would get the blood of the lamb that had been sacrificed and sprinkle it over the people to sanctify them, to cleanse them. And so there's always a sense in which cleansing and the blood are, are always kind of overlapping. They're connected. And it's in the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, the shedding of his blood, that brings a release of grace that allows us to be away from the world and be fully attached and connected to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's allowed us full connectivity to God. And that's not something that we can take any credit for. I've had friends that would oftentimes challenge themselves. I'm gonna to try to go the whole day today without sinning. I'm just thinking, I think we're looking at it wrong. If we think the goal is not to sin, we don't understand what the sacrifice was about. The sacrifice was so that we would not belong to sin, so that we wouldn't belong to the world, so that we would be free from that. But it's all about attachment to the holy and righteous one. It's all about attachment to the Father who loves us. It's about knowing how much he loves us. And that's a discovery that we will have for all eternity. When I think I understand the fullness of God's love, I realize I don't even, I haven't even scratched the surface of understanding how much he loves me. And so I continue to grow and to walk. So he gets sanctified. He sanctifies himself. It's once again with, with us and our walk with God, everything is through Jesus. Our salvation, our sanctification, everything is through Jesus. Our protection was through the prayer of Jesus that the Father would protect us and by the blood of the lamb that's been sprinkled over us, we are protected. So when our life is aligned with God, so aligned with God that it reflects his passion. It reflects what he delights in and what he doesn't delight in. When, when we have attached ourselves to those passions of his presence and of his purpose, then we know that sanctification is really truly working inside of us. We have now appropriated the sanctifying work of Jesus into our lives to whereby now we can fully connect to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't let the enemy try to get you to look in the rearview mirror and realize when you did not live sinlessly today and then rob you of any desire to be fully connected to the Holy One because of shame and condemnation. I know. As we get to understand the wonder of his love and the relationship that we have with him, when we come up short, when condemnation starts to come and we're feeling 
bad about the choices that we've made or the actions that we've done or the words that we've spoken. Instead of those causing us to think that we're attached to the world, they need to be a springboard by which we leap into the lap of the Father. That we run to the Father and we say, Oh, Father, the sanctifying work of Jesus, apply the blood to my life. Let me grow in understanding that it's out of this connection, not about my performance over here, but about the energy that I'm investing in knowing you that's going to bring the true freedom and the true liberty that I will have over, over past patterns in my life that are still tripping me up. Help me understand that it's not about my ability to destroy patterns. It's about my ability to connect fully to the one who loves me unconditionally and will help me through every aspect. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. If you've got your Bibles, underline, he will do it. The enemy always gets us tripped up thinking that it's something that we've got to do and all the pressure's on us. And No, he will do it. We just have to trust. And that's the reality of not being of the world, but being of the Father is the grace to trust. We find that sanctification and mission always goes hand in hand. We don't get sanctified just so we can sparkle and look nice and clean. We get sanctified because we have a mission that's in a dark world, full of, of evil. But we, we shine bright and we go with confidence because we are protected and we serve the Father's mission. He will do it. Okay? Well, it wouldn't be a complete morning if I hadn't read the Passion Translation to you. So here's how this prayer sounds in the Passion. Verse 13. But now I'm returning to you, so Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you so that it is fulfilled. It is fulfilled in them and overflows. He wants joy to overflow. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I am not of this world. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and may be holy by your truth. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. 
To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.